Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back, weirdos, to episode number 79 of History for Weirdos, and happy Women's Month, Women's History Month, excuse me, to all our female listeners out there. Yes, and happy early International Women's Day. Yes, that is Wednesday, March 8th, I believe. Mm-hmm. So the week that this episode comes out, um, I think we've covered a lot of really amazing women throughout history, and what an amazing way to celebrate Women's History Month than to listen to our episodes on those women. Absolutely. So if you haven't done so, if you're already here, you probably already have. But you know what? Maybe give it a second listen. Some A lot of our episodes focus on women because they're typically the unsung heroes of history. Yeah. Not exclusively, of course, but a, a lot of the time, probably disproportionately. Yes. Or you could share one of your favorite... Um, episodes on a woman from our podcast with someone that you love exactly and without further ado stephanie i believe you have an episode on a man right no (laughs) (laughs) gotcha (laughs) no she has an episode on actually a really interesting and intriguing female figure yes today my friends we will be talking about the remarkable augusta Ada king countess of lovelace byron Wow, that is really cool. Also, I love her first name, Augusta. Yes, I thought you would. (laughs) Or, as she's more simply known, Ada Lovelace. Also, I just realized I'm going to pronounce her name Ada. I think some folks see that spelling and pronounce it Ada. Um, But my mom's name is Ada. And it's spelled this way, too. And it's spelled this way, so I just can't fix that in my brain. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she would have pronounced it Ada, though. Um. Because Ada, I think, is a very American accent, and she is British. She's British. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. Someone's going to correct me on that, but I'm calling her Ada. So... I think that's fair. Yes. That's like... like, Those are some fair reasons. Yeah. Also, hi, Mom. Happy (coughs) Women's History Month. Love you. Okay. (laughs) That was really sweet. She doesn't listen to this podcast. I know. It's like she doesn't really care about history, (laughs) which is really ironic. (laughs) (laughs) But she cares about us, so maybe she'll listen for us. Maybe. Um... Well, Ada Lovelace was a total badass who was an early computer programmer before computers even existed in the 1840s. Like, I, we've had discussions about this in the past, and honestly, that blows my mind. Like, I understand, like, cryptography has been around since mm-hmm. before, like, what we call computers, mm-hmm. right? But I just don't, I just don't get it. I'm going to try to explain it later in the episode, but I, it's complicated. Yeah, Um, I I can imagine. Yeah, but it's very, very interesting. She's an amazing woman who had a huge impact on the world of computing, 
which obviously is just such a big part of the world today. And her story is really fascinating. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about her background. Yeah. Otto was born in London in 1815. And her parents were George Gordon Byron, a.k.a. Lord Byron, one of the most famous poets of the time. And I'd say he's probably one of the most famous poets ever. And Anne Isabella Milbank. Unfortunately, her parents' marriage was pretty rocky, mm-hmm. and they separated when Otto was just a few months old. Wow, Lord Byron is like, you're right, like, he's probably one of the most favorite or famous po- or poets of all time. Yes, absolutely. He's a, just obviously an English icon, but I think just like a poetry icon. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big person or a big I'm not a big person. I'm not a big person. I mean, the true, (laughs) but I'm not big into poetry. And you know who he is. And I know who he is, yeah. Yeah, I I get you. He's one of those names that you would recognize, even if you don't know his poems per se. Right. Um, If you are interested in poetry weirdos and you have not read Lord Byron, his most iconic poem is She Walks in Beauty, and I highly recommend it. It's a gorgeous poem. Hmm. And I'll check it out. Oh, okay. Back to the story. Although English law at the time would have granted full custody of children to the father always, children oh. were seen as the father's property. Jeez. Um, Lord Byron didn't want custody of his child, and he made just no attempts to claim parental rights. He told uh, Otto Lovelace's mother, you can keep the kid. Um I just want my sister to be involved in her life, and I want my sister to keep me informed of her whereabouts. Interesting. So Ada didn't have a relationship with her father. He Uh died in 1824 when she was just eight years old. That's really sad. It is really sad. You could. It's probably a safe assumption to say that he was a better poet than he was a father. Yes, I would. I would dare say so. (laughs) So, despite her parents' troubled relationship, um, Ada's mom was determined to give her daughter the best life she could as a single parent and a, the best possible education. She recognized Ada's exceptional intelligence from an early age and encouraged her interest in math and science. But Lovelace did have an affinity for her father, despite her mother's efforts. Um, for example, Ada described her approach to math and science as, quote, poetical science, Aww. which I think is a nod to her dad. I mean... How could it not be? Yeah. And you'll see um, his absence, I guess, or just him as a figure does have an impact on her life. You'll see that later on as well. Mm -hmm. So Ada's mom, though, was really concerned about um, Lord Byron's influence and his, quote, poetic temperament (laughs) being passed down to Ada that she made sure Ada never read any of his works or looked at a portrait of him. In fact, Ada Lovelace didn't know what her dad looked like until she was 20 years old. And she found the family portrait of him. Wow. That's wild. That's so weird to think about. That would be quite impactful on like your identity as you develop as a person. Yeah, absolutely. To not even know. And to know that other people around you do... It's not that like there are no portraits of him or no one knows what he looks like. Everyone else knows him. Right. She grew up around his friends mm-hmm. um, when she would go to, I didn't put this in the notes, but she was of noble birth. So she would sometimes go to court to like social gatherings and his friends were often there and would write to him about her. Wow. Be like, oh yeah, she looks like you. And 
she's really funny like you are or stuff like that Aww. he was interested in knowing about her but he did not pursue a relationship oh, i'm sorry at that point he would have been passed away they wrote letters to his sister to his family mm-hmm. uh, she looks just like him she talks like him things like that it's just weird it's a really weird circumstance i'm i'm really curious as to why that ha- this happened there's i there's some stuff that i'll explain that okay. may may contribute to it so okay. we'll, we'll get to that later all right all right all right so as a child ada was really curious about the world around her and she loved to explore and experiment she was especially interested in the workings of machines and she spent a lot of time tinkering with things and just figuring out how they worked. Wow, that sounds a lot like Hedy Lamar. I know. Isn't that nuts? That is. I never had that drive as a kid to like take things apart and put them back together. I think that's like such a cool instinct to have. Right. Um, when Otto was a teenager, she met Charles Babbage, an inventor. <laughs> like cabbage, but Babbage. Yes, cabbage with a B, Babbage. He was an inventor and a mathematician working on something called the analytical engine. Oh, snap. Otto was immediately intrigued and started working with Babbage to help design the machine and write algorithms for it. Oh, my God. So she started off helping him just by translating information. So, like, the analytical engine was a concept that people had written about. Mm -hmm. And the, the writing at the time was in Italian. So she of course, was fluent in Italian, I guess. And she translated the writing from Italian to English to help Babbage understand. Um, And while working with Babbage on the analytical engine, Lovelace wrote what is now considered the first algorithm. And when you, I know we use the word algorithm a lot, but the definition is an algorithm is a step-by-step procedure for solving a problem. And in this case, Lovelace wrote an algorithm that would allow the analytical engine to compute a sequence of numbers known as the Bernoulli numbers. Okay, that sounds vaguely familiar from like 12th grade math. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I I had never heard of this before, so I googled the Bernoulli numbers. And the Bernoulli numbers are like a code used by mathematicians to solve tricky problems. They are a sequence of special numbers that have interesting properties and can be found by following a set of rules. I will not explain any further. (laughs) (laughs) I think most of our listeners are probably very happy about that. Good. You could think of them essentially like puzzle pieces that can fit together in different ways to help solve different problems. Okay. So some puzzles might involve adding up a bunch of numbers, while others might involve finding patterns in those numbers. Right. And I did absolutely look up explaining Bernoulli Bernoulli numbers to elementary school students to do my research so that I could try to understand what this was. (laughs) I don't don't think anyone is going to blame you for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. So in addition to her code, Lovelace also wrote extensive notes while she was translating the information on the analytical engine, and she explored its potential applications and capabilities. In one particularly prophetic passage of her writing, she wrote that the machine could be used to compose music, create graphics, and even simulate human thought processes. Wow. 
Does that sound familiar to you? That's and it's funny because that it's like right now we're having major breakthroughs. Last six months in artificial intelligence. And think of how long it's been since she had these ideas. What mid nineteenth century? Yeah, that's incredible. I was so shook when I read that. Yeah, so she was like she was well over a century like ahead of her time. Yeah, over and over again in a lot of the articles I read about her. It just would reference her as someone that was way ahead of her time. Mm. Um, she was just brilliant, to be honest. Lovelace's work on the analytical engine was groundbreaking because it showed that machines could do more than just perform simple calculations. She understood that the analytical engine could be programmed to carry out complex operations and could be used to solve problems. That's so incredible. Yeah, people were just like, oh, we could use this to calculate stuff. And she's like, you guys, that's like the tip of the iceberg. You can use it for so much more. Wow. So she was envisioning like a full-blown computer. Yes. Just, I mean, what, like a century before computers were going to even be a thing. Exactly. It's incredible, right? It is. Her notes and her translations on the analytical engine are now considered one of the most important documents in the history of computing. No big deal. No big deal. And let me tell you a little bit about her personal life because her personal life is also very interesting. Lovely. On July 8th, 1835, she married William King, who became the Earl of Lovelace. That's where she gets that in her name. Oh. She was 19 years old and she had three children. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those children were Byron. He was born in 1836. And oh, after his grandfather. Yeah, after his grandfather. So he's still definitely in her mind at this point. Definitely. Anne Isabella, who she called Annabella, who was born in 1837. And Ralph Gordon, who was born in 1839. So she had them all, you know, fairly close yeah. in age and she was young. Um, however, their marriage was not a happy one. And Ada had several affairs throughout her marriage, including one with John Cross, who was a close friend and a very famous mathematician, apparently. Mm. I'm not a mathematician, so I had never heard of John Cross, but he's a big deal. He's a big deal. Okay. I hadn't heard of him either, so. Cool. Yeah. I don't feel silly. No. <laughs> In 1841, Otta Lovelace got some interesting news. Her cousin, Medora Lay, um, was the daughter of... Lord Byron's half-sister, Augusta Lay, which is where she got her first name, Augusta. And they were both told by Ada's mother that Ada's father was also Medora's father. This confirmed what many suspected, which was that Lord Byron and his half-sister, Augusta, had an incestuous relationship. Ooh. Yeah. On February 27th, 1841... Ada wrote a letter to her mother, and in that letter she wrote, quote, I am not in the least astonished. In fact, you merely confirm what I have for years and years felt scarcely a doubt about, but should have considered it most improper in me to hint to you that I in any way suspected, end quote. So basically she's saying, I always knew. I just thought it was inappropriate for me to let you all know that I knew. <laughs> like, I am smarter than you. <laughs> I'm very smart. I already figured this out. <laughs> yeah. But per my research, some sources state that Lord Byron and Augusta's incestuous relationship is a well-known fact. Okay. And others state that it was gossip. I, just because there's letters between 
Ada and Medora and Ada's mother talking about it, I think it's accurate. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to share that not everyone believes this to be true. Right, and you can't just do... I guess you could do DNA testing now if you... If you had, had their like remains, the yeah, yeah, for both. But back then they couldn't, right? Right. Um, but obviously very shocking, very scandalous for any time, but I think particularly their time and as noble people would have been a big deal. Yeah. Overall, Ada Lovelace had a very tumultuous personal life, particularly with her relationship with her husband and her mom. Both relationships just seemed to have grown more and more strained throughout her life. Um, however, she did maintain a lot of close friendships and those friendships just happened to be with pretty iconic people like Charles Dickens <laughs> and Scottish scientist Mary Somerville and a bunch of other big, big names, um, which I think is so cool. Dude, that is, that's really awesome. There are also historical speculations that Ada may have suffered from mental health issues, possibly including bipolar disorder or some sort of schizo disorder, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. Some historians have pointed out that her erratic, to them, erratic behavior and emotional outbursts are evidence of this. And lots of people think that Lord Byron also had um, a mood disorder because he was known for being very up and down with his emotions mm-hmm. and very unpredictable in his behavior. So what does the psychotherapist think of all of this? Look at this section of my notes. It's literally called therapist rant. That's amazing. <laughs> we spent too much time together. You knew. Yeah. I'm going to have a therapist rant. Um, it's really difficult to provide a mental health diagnosis for historical figures as much as we're all tempted to do that mm-hmm. because of a few key reasons. One is we're looking at their lives through a modern lens and through our cultural norms and understanding, right? Right. We could see a behavior as abnormal that to them maybe wasn't as abnormal. Two, our modern diagnostic criteria in the U.S., we use the DSM-5, didn't exist in their time. And people weren't necessarily documenting their symptoms objectively and scientifically in accordance to what we do now, right? Right. So people are like, she's crazy, but that literally means nothing. She's crazy. <laughs> she's crazy. I love that. Um, and three, our diagnostic criteria is already biased and flawed. This is something that in the psychological community, there's a lot of conversation about. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of work to do to make it less flawed. It's already not great at diagnosing people, let alone people that are not around anymore. Right. And haven't been around for quite a while. Yeah. Also, I think her behavior being seen as erratic um she liked to gamble she had affairs because she had an unhappy marriage again culturally for them i think those things were seen as very erratic for a woman right she loved math they're like wow she's nuts but i think today we would just see that as a a normal person right maybe like oh they're they're kind of like a genius they're one of those eccentric geniuses exactly thank you at the most, right? I don't think we would be as scandalized by a woman gambling. Right. Sounds like she just liked to party. She liked to party, and so did her dad. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what she inherited. Just the love of partying. <laughs> we don't know. But that is the end of my therapist rant on that. Gotcha. I, I just thought it was interesting to touch on. Um, so it's just pretty amazing to think that this woman was, again, so ahead of her time. And she accomplished a lot in a relatively short life. 
Sadly, she died when she was only 36. Oh, no. Yeah, she got uterine cancer, what we now know, I think, as uterine cancer. Yeah. She had been suffering from various illnesses throughout her life, and her health declined rapidly just a few months leading up to her death. She was buried at her request next to her father. Oh, so they got some reconciliation, at least after their lives. Yeah. They're buried at the Church of St. Mary Magdalene in Hucknall, Nottinghamshire. I No, I didn't say that right. But <laughs> it's okay. There we go. So after Ada Lovelace died, her work and contributions to computing were largely forgotten for many decades. It wasn't until the 20th century that people started to realize just how innovative and ahead of her time she was. In the 1950s, a computer language developed by the U.S. Department of Defense was named ADA in her honor, and it is still used today in many critical systems, including military and aerospace applications. That's kind of actually insane because I know with computer languages, they evolve so quickly that like it basically be the equivalent of like in human language terms, like 1950s computing language would be like us speaking like Ar- Akkadian or Sumerian or something. Yeah. It's just wild. Mm-hmm. In the 1980s, a programming language, again, called ADA, was developed by the U.S. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I wrote that funny. They updated it, renamed okay. it ADA. So maybe that answers what you were just speaking to. Got it. Okay. So it was originally from the 50s, and it's rooted in that algorithm that she wrote mm-hmm. with the Bernoulli numbers, but they updated it in the 1980s. The 1980s version is what we still use today. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, In 1991, the Association for Women in Computing established the Ada Lovelace Award to recognize women who have made significant contributions to the field of computing. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, she's getting the recognition she deserved just much, much later, obviously. Right. Um, She's also been celebrated in popular culture. In 2009, there was a graphic novel written about her Mm -hmm. and it's called the thrilling adventures of lovelace and babbage oh my god that's amazing (laughs) it it represents or it portrays an alternate history in which ada and charles babbage actually completed the analytical engine and went on to have wild adventures with their computer (laughs) that's so cool i know i think that would actually be a fun graphic novel to, to read oh yeah absolutely And then in 2015, Google celebrated Lovelace's 200th birthday with a special Google Doodle of her. That's how you know you really made it, is if you have a Google Doodle of you. I agree. You're like, I mean, is there any any higher honor? No, there can't be. (laughs) A Google Doodle is the highest of honors. A Google Doodle. Overall, Ada Lovelace's legacy has only grown over time. Yeah. She's considered a pioneer in computer science, an inspiration to women in STEM around the world, and her work continues to influence and inspire new generations of innovators. She will basically always be remembered in the field of computing. Absolutely. Her story, I think, is a reminder that even in the face of adversity and limited opportunities, one person can make a significant impact on the world. And I think that reminds us how important it is to provide resources and opportunities to all groups of people. Oh, well said. Thank you. And then I wanted to end this with a quote of hers because I thought it was so uh, sweet. She wrote like in one of her journals, quote, the more I study, the more insatiable do I feel my genius for it to be. So like the more I study, the more I want to study. 
Oh. Such a nerd. A nerd. She definitely would have been considered a weirdo. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And that, She gets the weirdo stamp of approval. Definitely. And that is the story of Ada Lovelace. Why, thank you. That was... I learned quite a bit, actually. I thought I knew, like, a decent amount about her, but I didn't... I like this. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and my sources for today's episode were Encyclopedia Britannica, Computer History Museum scientificwomen.net, and Wikipedia. Wikipedia had a lot of, like, the gossip, the cheese about her family. <laughs> and there is a lot more. Her her family is um, messy. Scandalous. Very scandalous, very messy. Also, there's still a Lord Byron today. Isn't that interesting? Oh, like... Yeah. Like, it's... Uh, I was Googling, obviously, Lord Byron to get a little more information on him and one of the google results was like who is lord byron today and i was like what are you talking about he's dead but it's a title right and it is uh, a descendant of his is today's lord byron that's so wild how badass though to go to parties and be like i'm lord byron yes i'm lord byron i am the great 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 grandson of lord byron <laughs> i know i thought that was really cool um, but that's all I have for us today, weirdos. I really hope you loved learning as about Ada Lovelace because I truly did. I did as well. Thank you, my love. And that brings us to the end of the episode, weirdos. If you haven't already, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you happen to listen. And also make sure to follow us on Instagram, which mm-hmm. is at History for Weirdos. And until next week, weirdos. Adios. Adios.